1: So there's fewer of us here, so you're going to have to really worship loud this morning, okay? Because we need to fill the atmosphere with praises in just a few moments. But it's great to have you here. If you're a guest with us in person or online, just want to welcome you here for our worship experience today. We're going to have a phenomenal day. God's here to meet us. He's going to move in your heart and life, and I believe you're going to leave this place changed and transformed today. If you are a first-time guest with us, we'd love for you to stop by our table in the foyer. We'll have some leaders out there, and we would love to give you two free gifts to take home today with you, as well as being able to connect with you for just a little bit. Uh, We'll do our offering at the end of service today. You'll have the opportunity to give at our giving box in our foyer, or you can always give online at hillsideassembly.org. I wanted to let you in on just a few things that are happening Uh, One, Ruth Radliff is in the hospital this morning with a heart condition. I went up and saw her this morning and prayed with her, but we'll pray for her in just a moment corporately as a church. A few other things that are coming up today, we are doing communion. If you did not get your element, we want you to get that. We have them available uh, right back there. Miss Jackie is ready to go. If you raise your hand, if you don't have the elements and you'd like to participate in your communion, uh, we'll get that to you. Uh, Kids are allowed to participate in communion, but we leave that call up to you as a parent. Uh, if they have started a relationship with Jesus, then we have no problems or qualms with them partaking in communion. I will say this. Make sure you shake this before we take it today, okay? Because it, uh, if you don't, you will regret that experience, I'm just going to tell you. So shake well before we, we take communion together. A couple other announcements uh, to let you know about. Um, next Sunday, which will be May 1st, we would like to have a meeting after uh, our worship experience. We are looking at trying to get an assisted living ministry uh, started. So we'd like to have a meeting for about 15 minutes after the service next week just to see who's interested in being part of that kind of ministry, uh, how much time people can give, and try to work out to say what can we possibly do. Because, look, we can't meet all the needs in our community, but we can probably meet some. And we do realize there's a need for people that are living in these assisted living facilities to connect with believers, uh, to have opportunities perhaps for worship and to hear the word. And so we would love to get that up and going. So if you would be interested in attending that meeting next Sunday right after the worship experience. The church offices will be closed on Tuesday. It is our uh, district council, which means all of the pastors, Assemblies of God pastors across Wisconsin are meeting for the next three days uh, to discuss business uh, for the Wisconsin district. So please keep all of us in prayer, but I will be gone uh, for that. So uh, the office will be closed on Tuesday. Also, you may have gotten an email from me the other night. Uh, my cell service is not currently working here in Ripon. Uh, They are replacing the tower, so for the next couple days to couple weeks, if you're sending text messages and phone calls and I'm not responding to you, that's because I didn't get them, Uh, so you can call us here at the the office. I'll check the messages as often as I can. Uh, You can also, of course, send us emails. I'll check that three to four times a day. Um, Anything else for today? I think that we are ready to transition. Oh, that's right. A very exciting service will take place on May 15th. Many of you know our ministry partner, Mandy Kimes, who has served our college campus here uh, and our community for the past nine years. And she is going to be transitioning. Uh, She will be leaving the college campus this summer. And so we are going to have a special service to honor her and her service to our community, to the college, to our church. She's been such a blessing. God has great things in store for her. So I hope that you will come on that day. Uh, and we're also going to do a financial blessing for her as well. So just so that you're prepared, uh, we will take up a special offering for Mandy at that service. And, and during that service, she'll share with you where she's at, what she's doing, where God's leading her. Uh, but we're excited to have that service with her on the 15th. Well, we're going to get ready for communion this morning. Um, what we want to do, Mike's gonna, Mike and the worship team are going to lead us in one song, then I'm going to come back and lead you in communion. We don't usually do communion at the beginning of service. We've done it typically at the end, but today's a little different. We just feel the leading of the Spirit to do something a little different. So during this first song, can we just examine our hearts? If we've got some issues going on with our family, with others, with God, let's, let's make those things right as we focus in on who Jesus is in our life. And we get to do communion together this morning. In fact, would you stand to your feet as we open our worship experience with prayer today? Lord, we come before you as your people. And Lord, we know that you want to meet with us today, that you are seeking us out. Uh, Lord, your word says, where two or more gather, then Lord, lift up your name that you are there also. Your presence is here in this place, Jesus. We're not going to miss you today. You have found us. And Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. Lord, I pray for those this morning who have needs in their body, needs in their life. God, would you move in powerful, incredible ways to bring healing to minds, to hearts, to bodies, resources that people need to be able to move forward and accomplish what you've called them to. Lord, we thank you this morning for the precious life of Ruth Radliffe. Lord, it's six years ago, Lord, it She had a heart attack right here in this building. But we watched your divine hand bring her back to life. You are a miracle-working God. And I pray today that your will would be done in her life. Lord, that there would be great things and great blessings that would fall in her life. Lord, we just thank you today. Lord, as we have the opportunity to partake in communion, to seek our our own hearts, to just examine it, and be able to go. If there's some things in here that aren't right, it's time to let them go. It's time to make a decision to make them right this morning. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, worship team, would you lead us in a moment of worship before we we move forward with communion?
2: He became sin became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness he humbled himself
0: i
1: For a moment while we partake in communion. In fact, if you get your elements ready, um, let's, let's take them there. Let's all shake it together, all right? Get all that, that stuff flowing the way it's supposed to. We're still, uh, still kind of celebrating the Easter season, and today I'll be preaching a message that still is in that Easter season. But I was thinking about this, there's three things that support Jesus as our Savior. One is the impact of Jesus's ministry in life. I, it's incredible. There has been no person outside of Jesus that has had the impact like he has. I mean, think about this for a moment. We divide time by Jesus. B.C. 80. I mean, think about that. That's how big of an impact he had. The impact that he had on people's life. Two would be the fulfillment of prophecy. So many prophets in the old testament spoke of the coming messiah and how it would, would would transpire the events that would take place and as we find out today Jesus met all of them every single one of them that's pretty amazing and the third is the resurrection of Jesus in the empty tomb his body was not in the tomb come easter morning of the four major religions only or sorry of the of the major religions only four are based on personalities. Judaism, Buddhism, Islam, and Christianity. But only Christianity makes a claim of resurrection. Jesus is unique. He is one of a kind. This morning as we get ready to take communion, you may ask yourselves, why why do we do this, Pastor? Why do we remember what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection? Well, for that, I'll take you to a nursery rhyme this morning. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horsemen and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. So you and I are Humpty Dumpty. We had a great fall. You know, the thing is, is when our life falls apart into broken pieces, and all of the great leaders in our world and great doctors and great pastors, and people of great compassion, when all of them try to help us and they can't put our lives back together, there is still one who can. Because that nursery rhyme doesn't tell you about the king. When we ask the king to put our life together, he takes all the broken pieces, he makes us into something brand new, and puts our life together in a way that we never could imagine. That's why we remember what Jesus has done, what he is doing, and what he will do in the lives of people. If you'd get ready with the elements this morning, if you'd take that top piece, pull that top piece back and take your wafer this morning, which is a symbol of the bread. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 22. It says, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, watch, or which, sorry, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the element of the bread for just a moment and think about Christ's broken body. We spent the last several weeks talking about what he endured. On Good Friday, Adrian walked us through the the medical side of what he endured on the way and during the crucifixion. Jesus' body was broken as a sacrifice for you and I. He endured what you and I could not. Let's just take a moment and thank Jesus for His willingness to surrender His body as a sacrifice this morning. Lord, Your Word says that Your stripes heal. Lord, this morning as we take the element of the bread, Lord, we are thankful for your endurance, that you walked through such suffering on the way and during the crucifixion. Lord, only you could do that. And your crime was simply this. You loved and wanted to restore your people to a relationship with yourself. Lord, thank you for being the sacrifice for us. Let's take of the the bread this morning together. The scripture goes on to say, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. See, before Jesus, there had to be these sacrifices that everyone would have to do, and depending on what your sin was is what you had to sacrifice. But all those sacrifices were inadequate. But the sacrifice of Jesus wasn't. It's his blood that covers our sin, our guilt, our shame, and washes us white as snow. His blood poured out for you and me and so many others. Let's take a moment and just thank Jesus for the blood that was poured out. Lord, we thank you, the living sacrifice. Lord, your blood was shed, and it was sufficient. Lord, it washes us clean this morning. And if we came into this house of worship with guilt and with pain and with suffering, that, Lord, we walk out of this place with no shame. Confidence that we are a child of God, that we are made right in your sight, not by anything that we did, did or do, but what you have done. Lord, it is through your sacrifice and the pouring out of your blood that we are made whole. And Lord, we receive that blessing this morning as we honor you and strive to follow you. We give you praise, glory, and honor. Let's take the element of the cup together worship team would you lead us one more time and church if you feel comfortable would you stand to your feet as we sing one more worship song before the preaching of the word to set the tone for what jesus wants to do today
2: amen i'd like to read uh, psalm 89 verses one and two i will sing of the lord's great love forever with my mouth I will make known your faithfulness through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Amen. see High and lifted up Shining in the light of your glory Hello. I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and the angels surrounding the throne, and John saw it too, said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, who is, and who is to come. Amen?
1: Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. We're going to go into the preaching of the word, and we are going to dismiss our kids at this time. You guys can go back. Miss Jackie is ready for you guys and Kids Church today. Lord, as we transition to the preaching of your word, I pray not to preach in my own power, but under the power and junction of the Holy Spirit, a word that you have placed in my heart and mind to convey it in such a way that, Lord, people's lives would be able to respond. Lord, I pray that we, our ears would be open, our hearts ready to receive. That, God, as I know, as we draw closer to you, as we grow in you, that, Lord, our hearts are to become softer, not harder. And, Lord, we pray today that, Lord, through the preaching of your word, our hearts would be softened to see the opportunity we have with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I was born in 1978. I call myself a child of the 80s. I am fond of 80s in a lot of different ways, and the things that transpired. Uh, I had a great childhood. And uh, I sometimes just have an affinity for 80s music. It was a fa- one of my favorite all-time songs. It was written in the 80s, redone in uh, the early 2000s for the movie Cars. Uh, by the, the, they did a cover, Rascal Flatts did a cover of this song, Life is a Highway. I just want to read a couple lyrics for you uh, out of that. It says, life's like a road that you travel on when there's one day here and the next day gone. Sometimes you bend, sometimes you stand, sometimes you turn your back to the wind. There's a world outside every darkened door where blues won't haunt you anymore. Where brave are free and lovers soar, come ride with me to the distant shores. We won't hesitate. We'll break down the garden gate. There's not not much time left today. Life is a highway. I want to ride it all night long. One of my favorite songs. I know it's not a Christian song, but I do like that song a lot. And I want to talk to you today about when life is a highway. When life is a highway, I think that there is a fear in our culture today, even among churchgoers today, a phenomenon called FOMO, fear of missing out, fear of missing out. I think sometimes even as Christians, we have this fear that we're going to miss out on God doing something. That, 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 that we, we, we all of a sudden, we're, we, we hear something, and we hear somebody share a testimony of what happened, we think, I missed out. Why isn't that me? And with the fear of missing out, sometimes we strive to not necessarily get into the presence of God, but I think sometimes we strive for an experience. And we seek an experience. And I, look, I'm going to say, I don't have a, I'm going to a conference for pastors this week. I'm excited to go and spend time with each other. But, and so I have nothing wrong with conferences or camps or anything. I endorse all of those things in the right healthy format, okay? Because if that's all you ever do, that's not healthy. But listen, I think sometimes we try to go to these things because we want an experience. And what, what God really wants to tell you this morning is if you're prioritizing growing in Jesus, you are not going to miss out what God has for you, all right? He, God is not playing some type of game like hide and seek. If you can find me, I'll bless you. <laughs> and we run all over the place trying to go to conferences, and we're like, oh, Jesus wasn't there. And look, I, as a pastor, 20-plus years in ministry now, I will tell you that I have seen people jump from churches to churches to churches, not seeking Jesus, but seeking an experience. And you know what? We need to be deeper than that. We need to be deeper than that. Because can I tell you something? The presence and the power of God are never to be separated from the purpose of God. And a lot of times when we seek experiences, it's not about God's purpose. It's about our own fulfillment. I want you to deeply experience God's presence I want you to deeply experience God's power, but that must come connected to God's purpose for your life, for my life, and the life of the church. And I will tell you the number one thing is that the gospel message must go forward. The good news of the gospel must be shared and must be lived. So let's get on the highway today because that's where we're going to be. We're going to see two men who were not about to miss out on what Jesus wanted to do on the highway. In Mark chapter 16, uh, last week, we talked about Mary Magdalene. And here she was, and she was the first person to, to see the resurrected Savior. And then it was this amazing thing. She, he, he disappears. She runs back. She tells the disciples. They go to the tomb. They're, they're amazed. They're, un, they're unsure what's happened. And then in Mark, it picks up and says, afterwards, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem in the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. Now, that doesn't tell us a whole lot of the story here, but Luke goes on to describe what these two men experienced. At some point, Luke sat down with them and said, tell me about what happened about this conversation you had with Jesus on the highway? And he does so in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34. And that's where we're going to look at today. That same day, two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked, uh talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you're walking along? They stopped, short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there in these last few days. Like, you must be the only person that hasn't heard about this. Then Jesus goes, What things? Jesus asked, The things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. And they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers, were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, "'You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe "'all the prophets wrote in the Scriptures.'" Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So we went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. At that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They went, they said, oh, we'll drive all night long. Not a problem. We're going to get back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. Wow. Because sometimes life is a highway. This road to Emmaus. One of the impressive things about the Roman Empire is they established an outstanding road system. In fact, they developed over 250,000 miles of roads. And many of these roads were paved, and some of these roads are still actually used today. That's incredible. And it's an interesting thought that the Roman Empire, who laid these roads, literally laid roads that the gospel message would travel on. It's these roads that that over the, the next coming years that the church would launch and use to carry the gospel message. Those who considered themselves enemies of Christ provided the the roads for the gospel message to go on. Pretty cool how God works things out, isn't it? These two men find themselves on this road made by the Romans on the way to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem, seven miles from where the action was. We don't know a lot about these two men except that they were disciples of Christ, which brings us to our first point God is moving. Jesus is a God of motion, and thank goodness he's a God of motion. Here he is, raised from the grave, coming out of the tomb, meets with Mary, and his first thing is, I've got to stretch my legs. Let's go seven miles away from where everybody else is to where these two guys are walking on the highway. After Christ's crucifixion and death, these two men thought it was all over. The last thing these guys were looking for on the road was Jesus. And can I tell you today, we always talk about people who are looking for Jesus. We're people looking for Jesus. I want to tell you, it's not, people aren't looking for Jesus today. But thank goodness Jesus is looking for them. Yes, right. Thank goodness Jesus is looking for you. Right. Jesus said he came to seek and to save the lost. And listen, religion is just man's attempt to try to find God. But that's why religion doesn't work. Because we don't find God. None of us find God. He finds us. He's the one that's seeking us. He's the one who finds us. Thank goodness we have a God that is on the move. These two guys had thrown in the towel, and they were about to miss out on the greatest moment in history, the launch of the church that Jesus builds. But Jesus was going to make sure that they didn't miss out on where they needed to be. I tell you this morning, Jesus is on the move in your life, and you will not miss out on what he wants to do as long as you prioritize a relationship with him. Jesus is looking for you this morning, which brings us to the point number two. Objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. We've all seen this on our car, right? The passenger side, that mirror's there. And what's it say? It says, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. Look, our eyes are not always right. Our eyes are not always right. Here are these two guys, and they're walking with Jesus. They're conversing with Jesus, but they couldn't recognize Jesus. I'm going to tell you this morning, there is someone here. You are walking with Jesus, you're conversing with Jesus, and you don't recognize some of the things that he is currently at work doing in your life. Some of you are thinking the very thing that's, that's meant to bless you in the long term, you're thinking right now, it's a curse and the devil must have brought it. And you don't realize that maybe Jesus has brought some things into your life that are challenging and frustrating allowed them to happen for your spiritual growth to arise to experience resurrection power in your life and to take your relationship with him to the next level in your growth. Sometimes our eyes lie to us. The Bible says that God kept them from recognizing him. Other versions say their eyes were restrained. Now, I believe that there are a couple reasons for this. The first one is, I believe he just wanted them to be honest and genuine and real. Sometimes when we're out in the community and, and our, our thing where we build a lot of relationships in the community is the dog park. I think we have over 100 relationships with people in Ripon now from the dog park. Skipper is really a ministry expense. That's what I'm going to claim anyway. Uh, just kidding. That won't be on my taxes. Um but he's been a tremendous blessing to us as a family, but also for us to build relationships with people. And there's often times where people will share their heartache and their issues with us, and they have no idea who we are or what we do, but they just start talking to us. An interesting thing, though, happens sometimes in those relationships when they all of a sudden find out I'm a pastor and Pam's a pastor's wife. Like, all of a sudden, They change. Like oh I gotta clean up everything I'm like I gotta I can't say these things I gotta I don't do I bow down what do I do I'm like you know it's like oh, we just want you to be you we just want you to be you and I, I find sometimes that the title gets in the way of ministry so, so there's times I don't even share that unless I'm asked what do I do I, I I don't often share that I'm a pastor because I want to be able to have a relationship with people I want them to have someone that they can talk to and share with. And I think this is where these guys were. These two gentlemen were sharing their hearts and their heartbreak and their disappointment and confusion. Had they realized it was Jesus before them, that stuff never would have been processed and worked out in their life. So Jesus just kind of holds back on that. And because he does, they're able to be honest, real, authentic. Authentic. Can I tell you something? That's what he wanted from them, and that's what Jesus wants from you. Real, authentic. Jesus is a big God. He can handle disappointment, He can handle the moments where we're like, Lord, my faith is shaken, my heart is broken, I'm upset, I'm frustrated. You know, he can even handle it when we go, God, sometimes I'm just mad with you. Like somebody's like, oh, you can't say that to God. Well, if I'm experiencing it, I might as well be real because I might as well process it with the Savior and work it through so our relationship can move forward because that's what he wants. And so I'm just encouraging you, be real, be authentic with your Savior when you pray I think sometimes we try to be all these fancy words, and we got to shove so much Christianese language into a prayer for it to work. That's not how prayer works. Prayer is a conversation with us and God, and when we're real and authentic, I guarantee you the power of God is freer to flow in your life. Let's let Jesus do what he wants to do. Let's be real because Jesus is real with us. Let's be real with him. The second thing, by by, by bl- not blinding, but restraining the eyes of these two men so that they didn't recognize Jesus is this. I think Jesus wants his disciples to recognize him not by sight, but by his word. We have a fixation on sight and how things look. On a church where I was a staff member, I remember we were having some... Super internal troubles in our leadership. We had some really messed up stuff going on. It was really bad. And I am a person that truly believes that things start at the leadership level and they trickle down. And I was very concerned with some of the things. And I remember we were in a staff meeting one time and the leader of our church said, you know what, as long as we put on an appearance that everything's okay, it's fine. And I remember that Wounding my spirit. Because I'm like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough for Jesus. Jesus wants us to be real. And he doesn't want us to live by sight and by looks. Yeah, we look like we had it all together when inside our staff was dying. We were dying spiritually. We were dying emotionally. We were beat up. And wounded and 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 church was a mess to be honest. It was by the grace of God that we kept going for a period of time. But God wants us to recognize Him by His the power of His Word. All of us can be blinded by our sight. As followers of Jesus, we need to understand the Word of God, put the weight on the words of God so that we are not easily deceived. Because I guarantee you, the devil wants to deceive you. And he, he tries so hard to get us off balance by a lot of times by the way we perceive things, our perceptions. And that's why the Word of God must be the foundation of our life because we can stand on God's Word. It's why Peter could walk on water. He wasn't walking on H2O. He literally was walking on the Word of God to keep him afloat. Jesus said, come out of the boat and come to me. It's when the Lord speaks that you can step out into the supernatural and and walk on water. That's the only way that that happens, is we've got to have the weight on God's word. Point number three, hope can be fragile. I know this doesn't have a car theme, and I'm sorry. I wasn't creative enough to be able to somehow glue that together. But hope can be, be fragile. Jesus wanted to be known for the uh condition. I'm oh sorry, let's try this again. Jesus wanted to know the condition of the two, these two men's hearts. And that's why Jesus was asking the questions that he was asking. See, Jesus already knew what was going on internally. Jesus already knows what's going on internally. Jesus already knew what these guys were discussing. If Jesus knew that, then why ask the question? Because he wanted them to express it. Jesus already knew it, but there's something powerful when when we're responding to the questions that God already knows the answers to. And as you grow closer with Jesus, as you get into his word, as you continue to mature as a believer, there's going to be moments where, where you feel Jesus asking you things. He's not asking you because he doesn't know. He's not asking you because he's like, look, I'm really thinking about doing this. What do you think? I mean, he's not asking our opinion, all right? He's God Almighty. He's got it all figured out. The reason he's asking is because in us answering the question and thinking and pondering on those things, it draws conclusions. It helps us heal. It helps us grow. It helps us to develop. These two men had doubts. That's why Jesus was asking, what things? What things are you discussing? And then they go on to talk about Jesus and and the things that had happened. And, and listen to what, what they said in their own words. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher. Do you notice it? I heard somebody say it. It's all past tense. Because their hearts were in the past tense. I had experienced. You've, you've heard this in church. Remember when people used to say, Oh, remember the good days when God really moved in church? When, when he... When he, no, let me change that for you. He is moving today. He is not put in a box. Jesus lived in a box one time. It was called the Ark of the Covenant. He doesn't live there anymore, and he's not going back in a box. He He is alive. That's right. He was in a tomb. He's not any longer. He's not going back in the tomb. So Jesus is infinitely creative. Look at the miracles he did. He moves in different ways. We've got to get on board with Jesus and go, just because it's not the way that God did it before doesn't make it any less powerful. Because when the word is preached, when lives are changed, that's what Jesus is about. Amen? That should bring a smile to your face today. If it doesn't, we're going to have a heart-to-heart here in a minute. Listen, God wants to change the tense of our heart. He wants to change it from what he was doing and what he did do to... He is and he is doing. That's where he was with these two men. At this point in the story, these two men had put their hope in the tomb when it was sealed. They were throwing in the towel. It's all over. But thank goodness, it's never over until Jesus says it's over and finished. It's never over. Even when the tomb is closed, it's not over. Number four, our faith has different speeds. If today, if we ended our worship experience, went outside, we all got in our cars, and we decided, hey, let's all race each other to some place in town, which we will not do, but that would be fun. Um, <laughs> the truth is, is that all of our vehicles are function the same but are built differently. They, they go at different speeds. Some of us have four cylinders, some of us have hybrids, some have... Eight cylinders, some of us have old rickety vans that can beat pastor's newer car in a drag race, but I won't bring that up because there's still some hurt that needs to be healed there. But if you don't know what we're talking about, that's okay. You really shouldn't know. The fact is, is that all of us here, I believe, are trying to serve Jesus, but we're all built different. And our faith moves at different speeds, and we should not look at each other in a way that's negative because someone's not at the same speed you are. And let me let me say this. If you think you are some mega, super, super duper Christian, you got it all figured out and you, you're going light speed, you know, and you're just like, we just want to do more and go more and do it. Let me tell you, there is somebody who's faster than you. <laughs> all right? And listen, the, the, one of the things that the church is meant to do is to put a speed limit up right. so we can all stay together. <laughs> and for some of us, that means we're, We're pulling you a little bit right we're getting you going a little bit faster like we're only going five and the speed limit's 65 it's like we can go a little bit faster all right that's okay you won't break the car won't explode others of you are going 120 miles an hour and we're like the cop is going to pull you over it's time to let off the accelerator we're not even saying put on the brake just let off the gas and start coasting a little while so that we all can catch up to you all right that's part of our job as leadership in the church is to say Look, we've got to figure out the speed God is asking us to go so that we can all stay together and grow together. Is that good? Yes. So here are these guys. Their, 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 their lives are moving at a different pace. Their, their, their faith is moving at a different pace. And Jesus comes along and he realizes, look, we, we need to pick up the speed a little bit here. You've got some faulty thinking. Because these two guys were quick to believe the good things that the prophets had said about Jesus but slow to believe the things that were difficult. See they were still they were almost engaged in park. They like it didn't even have they weren't even going anywhere. They had like put it in park, we're going to walk away from the car. Jesus said to them, "You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all of the prophets wrote in scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory?" Isn't it amazing? Jesus had told everybody what would happen, and they still all didn't get it. And so then he he sits down, and this is, I love this part of the scripture, right? He begins to have a Bible study with them. And he begins to explain things. He's like, look, there's more to this. Let me ask you this morning, if you're here Where is your faith? What speed is it going when it comes to certain things? Are are you in gear with what the Bible truly teaches? I mean, we love hearing about blessing, healing, miracles, joy, hope, love, fulfillment. I have no problem preaching on any of those. And I don't think you have any problem in receiving messages about that. But where is your faith this morning when it talks about suffering, carrying your cross, and dying to yourself? Those aren't exactly like, yee-hee, woo, let's go kind of messages. They're a little more somber, but they're just as important. We've got to have both of them to go together. It's the Word of God in its entirety. Where's your faith this morning when God speaks something challenging to you, challenging to your message, challenging to the church? Is the faith still there? Is the, is the, is the ability to still worship Him there when it's difficult, when it's challenging, when it's hard? Final point for today, and the best point. Your Bible should give you heartburn. Anybody here ever done burnout in their car? Oh, all right. Thank you for being honest. Every other guy here needs to come to the altar later for lying. So Chris Kafer, I know you've done a burnout, brother. There is no way you haven't. There's something unique about when you get in a car and can do a burnout. My car is not even capable of doing a burnout, but that's okay. That, that unique smell of the tires and as the tires heat up. The reason that, that racers do burnouts is because it warms the tires. The warmer the tires are, the better the grip. Can I tell you this morning that God wants to light your f- heart on fire to give you a better grip in your life to continue to move forward in what he's calling us to do in very difficult times. My favorite part of the passage is when it says Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. These two guys spent a few hours in a personal Bible study led by Jesus. (laughs) All right, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not a great Bible teacher. Uh, I'm put to shame when Jesus is like, yeah, I'm doing the Bible study tonight. I'm like, okay, you can come guest speak anytime. This must have been absolutely phenomenal. The living word of God is walking them through the word of God. And and, and then they sit down and they built this relationship with this guy that they had no idea that they knew. And, And they're sitting down, they're in this home, they're like, hey, let's do communion. Jesus is breaking the bread, he gives it to them and then their eyes are opened. Wow. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he taught to us on the road. The word of God should light you up, church. And listen, I know that there's going to be somebody here who after church, they're going to come up to me and they're going to tell me, I read three hours a day in my Bible. I'm just going to give you my response to that from the pulpit this morning. I'm not concerned with how many hours you spend reading. I'm concerned with how many hours you spend living the word. A lot of people are spiritually minded. They can quote scripture left and right, and they don't seem to be able to live it worth a darn. And like I started off this message with, as we grow in Christ, our hearts should be getting softer. And it really, really bothers me that I see a lot of people, I'm not saying anybody in our church, but a lot of people in church culture seem to be very spiritually minded, but there is a hardness to their heart where we can't love people who need to be loved. Very little grace, very little compassion, a whole lot of complaining. I don't think that's the life we're called to because it's not the life that I see in the Word. These two guys had their hearts lit up by the Word of God. And then they had to respond. See, that's what the great thing about the Word of God. Whether you're hearing it preached, or whether you're reading it in a, in a devotional, or you're going through a Bible study, there should be a response to the Word of God. Their response was, "Hey, it's getting late. We should go to sleep." They were like, "Pack the bags, man. We are going back to Jerusalem. We have got. I mean, I can just see it. They walked through the night. The moon and stars—the only thing they've got for light. There's no flashlight." They get to the door where the disciples are staying, waking them up probably early in the morning, like 3 o'clock. They're like, guys, he is alive! (laughs) They're like, you need to go back to bed, man. (laughs) What is going on? But they were so excited because why? their hearts had been put on fire. By what? Not by an experience, but by the Word of God. Because, look, they didn't realize it was Jesus until that moment when they had communion. But this guy says, didn't our hearts burn back when we were walking and didn't even know who he was by the words he spoke? That's the power of the living word of God, church. Are we excited for the word of God? Worship team, if you would come back to the platform, we're about to end today. Look, I know this has been an interesting message. We've joked around. We've had some fun. We've been serious. But I just want to tell you, church, God wants to do something in your heart today. He wants to light you up. And I don't mean like in a negative way, all right? This isn't like Thunderbolt punish you kind of lights you up. He wants to light you up with hope, with truth. And listen, I just want to tell you, if you stand to your feet, because I'm going to ask you to respond to the Word of God today. I want to be really clear. We're going to open up the altars in a minute. I'm going to invite everybody to come. And just worship together up here for a moment, together. And you might go, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know about going to the altar. I mean, okay, let me just clarify some ground rules, okay? We're we're not, no one's going to come up to you and stick your fingers wet willy your ears and go in the name of Jesus. You know, nobody's going to do that, all right? We're not going to blow in your face and go, feel God moving. We're not going to manufacture a move of God because we don't have to. The word says, where two or more are gathered, I am there also. We've gathered together to hear the word of God preached. Guess what? Jesus is here. He's in the room. And so he wants to speak to your heart. He wants to put a fresh fire within you. He wants to speak to you and comfort you in your moment of hurt this morning. Your moment of confusion, he wants to bring direction. So I'm going to ask you, would you just be willing to move and respond? We saw these guys respond to the word of God. I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm not going to ask you to go seven miles. You don't have to walk to Oshkosh, all right, to respond to the altar today. Would you just walk a few feet and come to the altar with you and your family or your spouse? Or just if you're here by yourself, just to come to the altar and be with the family of God. As we close in worship this morning, would you just come right now? If you want to just respond, you want to come and worship, just spend some time with God this morning as a church family. Would you just come? I love this song. I was talking to Mike earlier this week. I just feel like it's the right song for today. that we want more of God.
0: Would you just
1: worship with us as the worship team leads us in a few more songs, and I'll come and close in a few moments.
2: Breathe. More than the song I sing, more than the next heartbeat. more than anything, Lord, as time goes by, I wanna be by your side, cause I never wanna go back to my old life, cause I need you more. sing it to him you know that Jesus loves you that Jesus wants to walk with you with whatever you're going through that Jesus is your friend we'd like to sing what a friend we have in Jesus amen friend. i WE HAVE IN JESUS.
1: today is uh, give you an opportunity to put this message to use. I love how this song ends because look we, we get to carry these burdens to Jesus and there's something powerful when we pray, just not for ourselves but we pray for others. When we're standing here this morning, we're singing and you know, numbers are a little down this morning. Can I tell you that doesn't matter to Jesus? He's here. He's here for you this morning. And so would you just, if you feel comfortable, grab the hand of someone next to you. We don't want anyone to be alone. And we want to pray for each other. My job as a pastor is to raise up people to do the work of the ministry. Guess what? You can pray for people, and God can move through your prayers. So you know what? Let's do that. Let's pray for the person on your right left. You may not even know who they are. That's okay. After we pray, we're going to give you an opportunity to ask them who they are. But we want you to pray for them. Pray with passion. Pray with fire. Pray with determination for that person on your right and your left this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. That, Lord, you are a God on the move. You are a moving, breathing, living Savior. And I believe you are moving right now in this sanctuary, in this house, because, God, you love your people And we lift our voices up to you to move on people here that have broken hearts, who need directions with decisions, who feel like maybe they've been missing out, that, Lord, you would confirm to them that they are right where they need to be today. Lord, I pray that, God, you would just help us to be exactly where we're supposed to be when we need to be there, just like these men. You met them on the road. You changed the course of the direction to get them where they needed to be back in Jerusalem. This morning, if there's an individual that needs to be in a different place, Lord, you would move and get them there. Lord, we pray this morning, God, for healings. We pray for miracles. We pray, God, that you would do what you want to do, not what we want you to do. And Lord, we pray for that fifth point today. That God, as we continue to gather together as a church throughout this summer, God, we pray that, Lord, your spirit would move on us with the word, that it would light a fire in us. And Lord, as we grow closer to you, that Lord, our heart would be softened. Lord, we just pray against hardened hearts. We pray against religiosity and criticism. And Lord, we want to do what you've called us to do. Lord, the results are in your hands. But God, we are going to grow in you. We're going to draw closer to you. And we thank you that you are a God who seeks and saves the lost. And you seek us out. You look and you find us. And we thank you that you find us in our daily walk. Lord, we pray over our offering today. Lord, may we give with generous, gracious hearts and hearts of worship. Lord, there is no greater thing than to invest in your kingdom. And Lord, we believe that this church and this campus is going to be used to proclaim the gospel message to our community, to our surrounding communities, and through our ministry partners around the globe. Lord, we give you praise, glory, and honor. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Church, have an absolutely amazing week. God has great things for you
2: going to sing a song that you might not have sung for a while to close. Jesus loves me, this I know, sing it through, for